Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Headstock with me, Lane Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics they talk? We listen. My guest today is a Chief Executive Officer with 15 plus years in data technologies, advanced analytics, IoT and digital customer engagement. This is the continuation of the new series on Heads Talk where we talk to leaders in the banking technology and finance industry about all things data and finance. But before we get into that, here is a brief message. This episode is sponsored by Axia. Axia is the leading private cloud platform in the Alessian and Matamos ecosystem, combining intelligent solutions with security and control. Axia's clients profit from digitalization and automation of critical business processes in a cloud and hybrid architecture. 150 staff provide migration, engineering, and support services to over 200 leading organizations in 32 countries. Let's talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Anka Gupta is the CEO of Bitwise Inc. He was appointed in May 2021. Anka joined Bitwise in 2016, where he served as the Executive Vice President of Sales and Marketing, leading the company to its largest year-on-year growth. Prior to that, Anka was the founder and CEO of Metascale, a big data company of Sears Holdings Corporation. During his tenure, Anka worked as the in-house entrepreneur and built sellable companies by productizing and monetizing existing capabilities. In addition to Metascale, he was a member of the founding team at Innovel, solutions to productize and sell Sears Logistics Services, which was subsequently acquired by Costco. Anker has a plethora of awards to his name and academically he received an MBA from Duke University and a degree in mechanical engineering from the Indian Institute of Technology, Rorke in India. Let's begin this episode. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Anka to Heads Talk. Delighted to have you here today. Hey there. Thanks, Elaine, for the kind of introduction. Right. Let's get right to the questions. Firstly, if you can, um, give my listeners a summary of Bitwise and the work that you are doing. Absolutely. Let me start with a, a quick background on our company. We've been around for a for over 25 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bitwise is a technology solution and services company, primarily focused on all aspects of, you know, from when you see data acquisition to data presentation and everything mm-hmm. in between. Mm-hmm. So we as a consulting company provide a broadline uh, solution and services to solve a wide variety of business problems in data and digital space. And uh, uh, I understand there are a number of companies out there that do similar work, but let me highlight what really differentiates us uh, based on three broad areas. So starting with company culture, we were founded, we are family owned and founded by, uh, by two families mm-hmm. and have been operated in, a, in, in that way. The employee interpersonal connection of our employee and their well-being matter a lot to us. And as a result, a large number of our employees have been with us for a long time. It's not unusual when I see 10, 15, even 20 years anniversaries there. So that culture is really, the, the company culture plays a role in employing going out of their ways to take care of our customers and really driving excellence 
for in solving the business problems for them. And that was would have been my next uh, area, customer focus. So both as a result of that longevity with the company, as well as a core focus on customer satisfaction, mm-hmm. our teams go out of their ways to take care of customers. We, we really don't claim to be an expert in everything, but mm-hmm. we do know that you know, the technology is ever-changing and we have enough strong base to, to, to prepare ourselves for the net set of technology uh, being used by our customer and help them solve those problems there. So we we will put in whatever needed help investment to support our client task. And that customer mm-hmm. satisfaction index is something that we see closely at an executive level and make sure that our customers get more than what they expect us to do. And that continues to be a focus area. Mm-hmm. And the third area that differentiates us is uh, innovation. So we have this automation first culture and what we tell our teams that when you do something, try and find a way to get it done through automation as best as possible. So we like to, you know, develop frameworks, processes, sometimes, you know, just dirty technology scripts to get things done faster and even tools to accelerate these tasks. So, so sometimes these accelerators, um, uh, in fact, turn into products that some of those you see on our website, our own ETL tool, our ETL conversion tool, our test data management tool, our um, uh, uh, automation tool in, in, um, in ETL testing. So there are quite a few that are out there, but at the minimum, they do solve those clients' problem faster. So in a nutshell, a comp- combination of the company culture, which includes you know, our employees, our bitwisers, uh, mm-hmm. our focus on customers, and our focus on automation first and innovation, truly what differentiates us from uh, in this industry and mm-hmm. continues to be uh, uh, the, the pillars of our growth. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for that. That's pretty comprehensive and I want to stay with um, the clients that you talk about and clients delivery um, with this next question. As mentioned this series um, on his talk is firmly focused on the the financial and data side of things so let's focus in this category. How are you turning things around for your financial institution clients especially with the boom in fintech solutions for example and adoption? What does transformation look like? Please provide examples. Absolutely. Um, and that's a great question and very applicable to us. So even though we have a very wide range of customers in different industries, including, mm-hmm. including you know, retail, media, um, uh, you name it, but yeah. fin- financial clients continue to be a, 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 a take, take the majority of share from mm-hmm. that list. And we are seeing a lot of interesting trends there. And we've been working with, we have some of our oldest clients are from financial uh, domain and those who have been with us for nearly 25 years now, in fact. So over the years, we have seen a lot of change in technology, particularly in the fintech area. Mm-hmm. And let me highlight two two areas where you know we are we are playing a big role. And uh, I'm I'm not claiming to be an expert in that range. I know there are companies that do that job, but as 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 a client partner in technology space, the areas that we are seeing uh, growth and 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 changes are. Uh, one is modernization. So more, so a lot of companies, the fintech companies need to be more agile to be able to provide value to their customer faster, uh, accurately and securely. Uh, there is, we, we continue to see a lot of movement from on-prem to cloud. That's, that's, that's one area where we are doing a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll give you an example. One of our very big clients that provide credit card processing uh, the, they we recently helped them build their dispute management system, which was a mammoth on-prem system, used to be a mammoth on-prem system on cloud for them. It was one of mm-hmm. a very unique kind of 
implementation on cloud um, uh, for, for for use case like this. And now that has allowed them to do those dispute management much faster. And by the way, if you if you've seen the fintech area, dispute management is also becoming a very key area. I've seen a lot of startups coming in there and offering this as a uh, as a SaaS offering. But for this particular customer, we built it from scratch, rewrote all the rules, and and built the technology on on cloud. So now their merchants can dispute those claims much much faster than what they could do before, mm-hmm. and overall uh, far more efficient and be able to claim. Uh, close, close those claims uh, quickly. So that's just one example of modernization where we are seeing our financial companies taking more risk than they have before mm-hmm. in, in, in embracing and utilizing today's technology, particularly what's on cloud. Another example would be using some of the technologies and, and, and the tools that come with the cloud ecosystem. So what would it take a long time and cumbersome processes to do on-prem uh, could do much faster, for example, AI. And what we are seeing, some of the fraud, fraud detection use cases that we've implemented in, in a cloud space that come with the tools that the key cloud provider actually give you, mm-hmm. uh, whether you know using Google Siri or Amazon Alexa um, or, or another, another tool uh, of that sort, they, they, where you can use voice first and using their AI to solve some of these problems, which again, to do it from scratch, not that's not possible, would take much longer and a lot more work, but it comes with the power of that cloud. And so, so some of those use cases are fraud detection, using voice to, uh, to interact with customers that we, are, that we have been uh, implemented uh, as part of this modernization. Mm-hmm. So that's area one. Other area we are seeing is totally uh, in the new age technologies that are not yet mainstream, but we have started seeing our companies, our partners, we've started to talk to our partners about it and know that they're thinking about it at least. So that includes the, the crypto and the blockchain world. And how truly are those, how to make them uh, mainstream to solve customer problem, not something, you know, a fun thing to talk about, something that makes you, looks modern and, and, and whatnot, but it's really how to utilize those technologies so you can securely you use them to either accelerate a task mm-hmm. or solve uh, or, or or make it easy for your customers to uh, to interact with you and get the value from um, uh, from their interaction with you. So that's another area where we've started to see some traction. Now. Mm-hmm. So, so thanks for that, that example. Those examples, I should say, you're really working heavily in the financial sector, and you briefly mentioned um, other sectors. Let's go deeper into technology, if we can. Can you provide some insights into the latest technology trends, other than what's been mentioned, and what? Bitwise is doing in this space. Sure thing, and I, I like I said, I, I, I don't claim to be an expert in this area, but mm-hmm. we we focus on on uh, in a certain domain and certain areas, and uh, I'll speak to that, and I'll stick to the 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 cloud migration and modernization mm-hmm. in today's space. A lot of work that we are doing for financial clients are on-prem data warehouse migration to to cloud migration. So that includes. Uh, getting rid of your typical on-prem data warehouses. And the whole definition of the data warehouse is changing for our financial client, uh, companies. What used to be, uh, you know, tables that uh, uh, with views and cubes is now multi-multi-dimensional. In fact, uh, uh, the, the NoSQL databases and the tools and technologies that are out there uh, in, in, in the cloud world are becoming mainstream for many of our mm-hmm. client, clients. So the work that we are focusing on is migrating 
migrating data, migrating pipeline, migrating application from on-prem to cloud, making them easily accessible uh, through containers, through APIs to, to users on both sides, both as a customer as well as the users on client side. Those are the key, key, key focus overall. Data engineering is becoming an interesting space for us where really getting that data ready and uh, de depends on how you define data engineering in an organization. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but really, I mean, what used to be data engineering before, the cloud data engineering is very different as we see. It. So includes all aspects of data ingestion, data migration, data governance, mm -hmm. architecting data. Mm -hmm. uh, so before data is really ready for that BI. And that's, that's where a lot of our time um, and a lot of our uh, customer problems that we are solving, uh, where we, we, we are involved in. Okay, I, I love this next question. Um, Anka, if you could be as um, philosophical or as technical as you want with, with your answer on this one. Um, in today's world, what is the greater commodity, capital or data, and why? Uh, yeah. Um, I wonder if, uh, if I should be philosophical or technical. I'm neither, actually. Uh, uh, but let me provide you a very naive perspective on this. I think, uh, you know, there's a saying that data is a new oil, and that mm -hmm. should answer the question that it's bigger than capital, maybe. But I think there's no lack of data out there. You need, there's a ton of data, and that's what our clients are telling us. They have data coming from sources that didn't exist many years ago, and newer and newer sources are coming up. And uh, what used to be uh, what to used to be uh, relational databases turned into yeah. flat files, pictures, videos, you name it. So, uh, so data has definitely a lot more value. The hard part is to get value out of it. And I think that's where capital in is needed. Yes. Yes. I don't think there is really an easy way to just. A lot of companies claim to be uh, uh, you know super cost effective and low cost way of getting the value out of it, but we have really not seen a whole lot of uh, uh, those tools and technology or, or easy use case. You have a, the, the data has to be clean, to be ready, to be able to, uh, to be allowed to answer questions that you want to ask from the data. And so no lack of data, of course, and data certainly is very, very important, but I believe that you need capital to make sense of the data and that's where they go hand in hand together. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, and once the data is ready, it can help you generate a lot of capital too. So companies that are doing a great job of managing the data, able to answer uh, or able to extract uh, value out of the data. Um, there, I think data, again, in, in just by virtue of generating actual capital and mm -hmm. um, uh, the revenues for them, uh, obviously playing that the role of being the oil as it is called today. Mm -hmm. I think that's a diplomatic answer. So you sort of sit on the fence, but you know, but still a very good answer indeed. And this is a, a favourite on his talk, and it really plays into the theme of the podcast. Effectively, the synergies and um, you know the interactions on the executive table. So, what about the changing dynamics there, in particular in this digital age? Do you believe that the the CIO, the CTO, has gained more of a the ear of the CA, the CEO, like yourself, than, for example, the the CFO used to be? Or has the different executive roles morphed to fit in with all the changes that's going on around them? You know, digitalization, pandemic, sustainability drive, staff well-being, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, that's a very interesting. I'll, I'll uh, interesting question, and thank you for asking it. Mm -hmm. um, and I will speak again. I say I I I, um, I don't think I'm a very learned learned person who understands exactly how these roles 
interview. We can only speak to our experiences of our interaction with folks in this area and, and how that is changing. So off late, uh, a whole lot of changes. I've so seen some trends there, but the mm -hmm. changes that I've seen is one, one um, there's definitely a lot more investment in, in, in technology area. Mm -hmm. So CTOs and CDOs and CIOs have, are, are playing a bigger role in helping CEOs uh, making a technology first organization so they can connect better with their customer, help solve their problems, provide them the services quickly or the products quickly, whatever it takes. What we are also seeing, going back to our previous question of data being the key and data being the new capital maybe, uh, what we are seeing a, a shift in, in, in the, the, the the BI side of it, but we are seeing more and more BI functions are rolling into CFOs as opposed to CIOs, what used to be the case before. Mm -hmm. So CIOs, CDOs, CTOs are responsible for defining the technology landscape of the company, keeping the, uh, 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 the, uh, the ecosystem ready to be able to provide insight on the data, but CFOs, uh, I, the BI function rolling into CFOs, so making sense of the data and be able to invest, make mm -hmm. the investment according to that uh, that's the interesting shift we have seen. So a lot of time when we, we provide services on both sides, we help with the BI, we help the data prepare for the BI. So mm -hmm. we interact on both sides a whole lot. And we've seen that dynamics, uh, again, uh, what we are also seeing that BI requires its own technology team that mm -hmm. rolls into CFOs. And then of course, there are your traditional technologies team to uh, for, for all the technology functions in an organization that continue to be under CIO organization. So that's one shift that we have seen a whole lot more uh, uh, than the other <clears throat> that I wanted to highlight today. Okay, um, just as a side additional question to that, some quite a few organizations are, have created the role of C, um, CD, CDO, Chief Digital Officer. And some say, well, actually that should sit under CIO, the CIO's role. Where do you sit on this? So the question is, uh, CDO role should be going under uh, CIO or yes, CT, or CTO? Should it, or, should, or should it sit on its own and have a seat at the executive table as a new um, C-suite? <laughs> yeah, I think if the, uh, that's an interesting one. I, I, I still see, I mean, again, all these, ultimately the work that's being done, whether it is by the technology organization or the, the, the financial organization or the data organization, I think, I think this role only shows a new focus that data is important and getting the insights from the data is important. Mm -hmm. So I do, I do see, and, and uh, again, in my very limited view, uh, I do uh, see my, uh, and my perspective is that the data officer sits somewhere in between the CIO and CFO organization in the new role where BI roles under CFO. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I, and I think the CDO should play a bigger role in helping the CEO as well as the board understand that value of data yeah. and help define and generate the that value. Should it be a should it be a, um, a a seat at the board table? Again, I I don't think I'm qualified to to comment on that. But I do think that uh, it 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 is a, an important role in an organization. Uh, and I think it should sit somewhere in between a CIO and CFO organization, not necessarily at the board table, but like I said, I mm -hmm. may not be qualified to, to, to judge on that. But it, it does play a very important role in the overall growth 
of the organization that the the the, the executive team is responsible for together. Okay, thanks for that. Um, continuing with the theme of change, let's look at this big tech disruptors. Um, what are they doing that interests you, and um, or, or have you got an eye on um, for Bitwise um, Anchor? Absolutely. We have a very large partner base, Elaine. So we do look at the companies that are coming in the space and could become our partner, whether now or in future, depending on how they, they, they are, what kind of problems they are solving that makes it easy for our customers, uh, uh, you know, to use their tools and, 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 and be able to, you know, solve the problems. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we, are a, we are a partner of all major cloud players. So we continue to keep a close eye in that space of what new technologies are coming up. Is there, a, is there a new data integration tool? Is there a new BI tool? Is there a new data governance tool? You know, who's solving a problem in this space? Mm-hmm. That's one. And then there are lots of tools and technologies that keep coming out. I'll give you an example. Uh, so when K2View uh, came early, early, they really didn't have a partner. And we were the first one uh, as an organization, among the first one from what we understand, to, to partner with them to implement the K2View solution at a client's location. Same was with Looker. Uh, we, before Google acquired them, we were one of the early partners to help implement Looker at, that, uh, in, 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 at one of our client's space. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't really have a big partner network, again, from, from what I know and understand. So we, we look at companies like these who are solving a problem. And we know, just like, like I said earlier, we have a we have a very large base of, uh, of uh, resources who've been with us for long and mm-hmm. who have continued to, to evolve with the technology and understand. So if there is a new technology that comes up, our team is very quickly able to make sense of it and be able to uh, you know, prepare the, the resource pool required to be able to use the technology. So when we look at this space, we look at who could we use? Who is, who is solving a problem in a newer way? Mm-hmm. And Snowflake came we saw that was a new kind of database and, and our team was able to uh, you know, get in front of the Snowflake team very early on. Mm-hmm. Similarly, there are many, many other tools that are out there uh, that we look at, uh, whether it is Databricks, whether it's Confluent, whether it's you know, some other new tech, uh, mm-hmm. where we see uh, a complementary skills where we can bring in our services, knowledge of customer, experience of implementing, and they can provide either a, um, typically a tool, if not a framework, for us to be able to implement at a client location and be able to solve that quickly. So, and, and what happens is, um, I'll give you another example. So we work closely with all the cloud providers, but let's say I'll pick Microsoft as an example here. Mm-hmm. And we do a lot of uh, migration to Azure Data Factories, which is the data integration tool. Mm-hmm. But then you we also see the gaps where some of the technologies may not be as ready there. And we are able to fulfill those gaps with our background. So. Uh, orchestration framework being one of those. And we are able to, uh, can we use the traditional orchestration tools in an ADF ecosystem? Mm-hmm. And uh, in some clients' cases, we found that to be a bit difficult. So we built our own orchestration framework for those clients, just as an example. So the idea here is we are we are keeping an eye on all these uh, mm-hmm. uh, companies that are solving a problem in today's modernized space and where we can have a complementary skills to come in and, 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 and help them and help us generate mm-hmm. better value for our customers. I hope that answers the question. It, it does indeed, it does indeed. And what about the growth plans a bit wise? Do you want to tell me about that? We, we are looking for more than a growth, a sustainable growth that, that includes all the three pillars that I told you about. Our company culture, our employees, which includes mm-hmm. our employees, our biggest stakeholders, our customers, and, 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 and a focus on innovation. So um, 
our growth, uh, 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 our focus on growth. When I, so I, I have two heads. Um, I continue to lead sales and marketing uh, at Bitwise as well as uh, in my role as a CEO. When I look at the overall picture, I, and I'll, I'll try and oversimplify it for you. Uh, uh, the way I look at it, and I truly that's how I look at it uh, uh, as a CEO. We look at uh, from the moment how we go to market to how we execute an engagement. And we look at this whole cycle. How, how, is, our, how is our go to market strategy? and how our execution strategy, and in between everything that falls in between, whether it's our pre-sales, whether it's our, uh, our marketing collateral, uh, I mean, customer facing or, or, or potential um, prospect facing, uh, as well as anything in between the, the pre-sales part, the proposals part, and the uh, understanding, the bringing in the subject matter expertise for our client, the whole gamut of things in this whole sales cycle, if, if I can call it, or the company execution cycle, where are the failure points? What are we, how, how, how are we able to present a solution to our client in the changing technology environment? Mm -hmm. Are we able to solve their problems? If we are, do we have the right skill set to, to execute to our client's expectation? So our growth areas are number one to look, take a step back, look internally and see where are the failure points in our company? where we could, by solving this, we can, you know, uh, take the company to the, as a rocket ship and, and really, uh, you know, remove those challenges. Mm -hmm. Second is, again, continue to innovate. So looking at the industry trends, where are, what are, what is it that our customers are asking for and we are not ready for? And we hear a lot of things. We talk about quantum computing, we talk about uh, cryptos, we talk about uh, cloud modernization and, you know, whole gamut of things that are out there. But again, as a, as a company, a medium-sized company with 1,600 employees and growing, uh, we also have to pick our bets. We cannot, if we, if we lose focus, then we don't want to be a jack of all trades and you know, be able to do a little bit yes. in everything. We want to focus on few things that are, that are core to us and be able to say no to others. So you'll be surprised how many times you go to clients and we say, no, the week, absolutely, we cannot do this. And there are times when we know that we have enough uh, horsepower to get this done and with a little bit of a stretch we can actually push the boundaries of technology for our client and we will take up that as challenge and a lot and, and so there are so many examples out there where like I said a customer focus uh, a focus on that customer will ensure that we will uh, take our client to the finish line no matter what investment or stretches we need to make internally so our growth plan include uh, uh, part of that um, uh, looking at how the industry trends and, and us preparing in line with those industry trends. Mm -hmm. And third will be the investment uh, in, in, in all, the, uh, all the growth areas, which includes uh, uh, investment for future, uh, keeping the right bench of people, keeping the right technology space. Um, one recent announcement we made a couple of months ago was building a CTO organization. Mm -hmm. that we didn't have before. So it's interesting to have a CTO organization in a vendor space, but that was because we wanted to, we wanted to be the, uh, we wanted to be the um, technology first for our customers also. We mm -hmm. want to help them implement the technologies they're thinking about by supporting their use cases, by telling them, being a neutral partner and tell them that technology A may be a better fit than technology B, and if not, at least provide a perspective from different industries and different verticals that we work with 
so customer can make an informed decision they don't have to listen to us necessarily but at least we can be out there and provide our perspective to our customers and uh, and uh, hopefully help them make a better informed decision so to summarize uh, taking a step back looking at our failure points uh, as it relates to growth investing in uh, uh, looking at and uh, looking at the technology trends of the market and investing in the various growth area including uh, building the technology organization to support our future customer needs uh, keeping our employees ready for what's coming ahead um, mm. as well as ensuring that we have the right infrastructure to take up our, our growth challenge and targeting that that's what my focus is Thanks for that. I was going to ask you about the buy-in process of the the employees because you talked about at the very beginning having employees that worked for twenty, you know, ten years, and the way your organisation will be growing and how do you ensure that you've got the buy-in from them? But you've just talked about that, so I don't need to ask that question. So thanks for that. Um, let's end this episode of Heads Talk with this question that will be asked to every guest in this series. So let me begin by asking, what is um, it's a two-part question. What is the app that you, um, Anchor, cannot do without in the fintech world and why? <laughs> okay. Uh, the fintech world is uh, uh, it's a very broad world these days. A lot of cool apps are coming up. Um, I, I guess I cannot do without my, um, uh, my bank app. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, first to make sure that I have some money out there <laughs> to, to take care of my day-to-day -day things. But more than that, apps... I, I regularly use Zelle uh, as a feature. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. But mm -hmm. Zelle to, to transfer money and to, to pay for all of the, uh, right from my snow plowing person to anybody who's out there helping. So I think that's, a, that's, that's interpersonal money transfer to businesses mm -hmm. and individuals. Has, it's, it's, it seems very uh, basic and normal, but I'm surprised at how often we use it and how often this becoming a, a transactional space. Mm -hmm. uh, second part is um, including fintech in your communication, something like what Venmo did. So, you know, sending money through a text or, or, or exchanging money in, uh, through, uh, through your WhatsApp and whatnot. So that's, that's another area. I don't use it often, but like I said, Zelle is some, something that, uh, that I use uh, uh, very, very regularly uh, as it relates to fintech. Okay, that was clear. Thanks for that. Um, the, the second part of this question is, what is the solution that you think has yet to be developed, but sits within the fintech world once available? That's an interesting one, Elaine. I think, uh, uh, and uh, uh, I take a step back and think about it based off of our conversation with many of our financial uh, uh, institutional clients and uh, where they are going. And uh, I'll take even... Um, I think an, uh, a combination of crypto and blockchain will become more mainstream in the fintech world. That solution exists yet yet to come for more, more mainstream. You hear so much money being flown in the NFTs and cryptos and whatnot, yet the, it continues to be a very volatile and uncertain market. Mm -hmm. uh, I do think those use cases could become uh, more mainstream with something like a private blockchain in the financial industry or a crypto that's, you know, something like Zelle, an application that was endorsed by so many banks, a crypto that can be endorsed by all the banks and being used. And uh, once again, not an expert in this area, but it's my, uh, uh, it's my point of view based off of the several conversations that we have had with various clients. So mm -hmm. I do think that's coming up. And second thing will 
hopefully in a few years down the line uh, uh, or sooner, uh, quantum computing, I do see also coming up mainstream uh, in a focus area for, for today's technologies. Thanks for that. That's an interesting final answer. You, you know, it's a question that we asked to all the guests in this series. So they've all come up with their answer to this. So it's really interesting how what um, you, you've all come up with. Anka Gupta, it's been an absolute pleasure. Many thanks for your time and insights. Ellen, thank you for taking time and uh, appreciate uh, um, all the interesting questions uh, that you asked today. My pleasure to be here today. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.